0: Welcome to Real Estate Explained, the podcast where we simplify the often complex world of real estate. Whether you're a first-time home buyer, a seasoned investor, or simply curious about the industry, we've got you covered. Join us as we explore the ins and outs of buying, selling, and investing in real estate, and learn from industry experts along the way. Let's go. Welcome back to another episode of Real Estate Explained. I'm your host, Michael Kons. I'm here today with my co-host, Joseph Carino-Pace. And today we have a couple of um, lender partners of ours, Mr. Scott, um, Scott McNally, McNally. Yeah. and <laughs> uh, Matt Bannon. Uh, they are from TEG. And today we're going to be covering a topic that uh, comes up a lot in our industry, uh, and that is uh, financing, and most specifically, uh, the ins and outs of getting pre-approved. Welcome to the show, guys.
1: Good morning. Hey guys, welcome. Morning guys. Good morning.
0: Thanks for thanks for having us. So, let's hop right into it. You know, we get phone calls as real estate agents all the time about people wanting to see property, and one of the first things we ask them is, "Are you pre-approved?" Right and <laughs> We get a variety of answers. Some people are extremely well-prepared and know this topic very well. Others uh, are completely clueless. So tell me a little bit about uh, a pre-approval letter. What is it, and why is it important to have one?
2: All right, well, thanks for having me, by the way. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So really, a pre-approval is really a verification or an initial process from a financial institution um, to to um, kind of put a, a – a, Monetary amount for um, to borrow for a property. Sure. So so simply put, it's you're going to do an uh, initial mortgage application. You go through a quick process with us, and, uh, and then ultimately we'll give you a you know a value that we find after uh, an initial credit review and and you know initial process and to move forward.
3: So it's ba- it's basically just to piggyback off that a little bit. It's it's vetting a borrower to make sure if somebody is going to look at a $400,000 property or listing that they qualify for $400,000, not for a hundred thousand dollars. Right. So we, to Scott's point, they fill out an application. We run it through what we refer to as a decision engine. There's three forms. There's Fannie, Freddie, and HUD, which is your government loans. Mm -hmm. And that's what kind of vets them to give the realtors peace of mind that, You just don't have tire kickers or somebody wasting your time. This person is actually approved for, or pre-approved, if you will, for the listing that they're going to look at. All right.
1: Well, let me ask you a question. Um, You said you clarified that a little bit by saying pre-approved as opposed to being approved, right? So what does that mean? There's a lot more that goes into an approval
3: than a pre-approval. So um, you know, on a pre-approval, we won't do a request for tax transcript, which is called a 4506T. We don't do that until application. That's a form that we simply send to the IRS and they Mm -hmm. tell us within a standard deviation if that's what they file on their tax returns. It's a way of vetting Mm -hmm. um, from an underwriting process. We also don't do the deep dive into the verification of employment through the lender, things like that. So a pre-approval, we run it through the decision engine based on the financial docs that that it that that they, they have provide provided you. You. right? And once okay. once we get into the actual approval process, that's when they go into underwriting and all those other pieces kind of happen. Much and then, more detail, right? And then the right. underwriter takes that whole pile and you know issues the approval letter at that time. So so yeah. So okay.
0: if if I'm understanding you correctly, and let's it just for breaking it down purposes, uh, somebody would come to you, a lender, that wants to shop for a house. Uh, the pre-approval letter will actually give them what their buying power is, correct? Like how much house can they afford?
3: Depends on the realtor. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, okay. uh, uh, listen, the truth of the matter is that they're two schools of thought, right? Yep. So somebody might be looking at a $300,000 property because that's their comfort level. Mm-hmm. But in reality, they can afford a $500,000 property. Yeah. Right. Some realtors want the most they can do. Mm-hmm. Other realtors want what the what the what the are asked for. Right. Yeah.
0: But as when we're t- when we're thinking about buyers uh, and we're thinking about, you know, our listeners that might be thinking about buying a house one day, uh, it's important for them to know what their buying power might be, because I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking of the average Joe that can run the calculations on Zillow and on other websites online and they know how much money they make and they know like, oh, I can afford $2,500 a month mortgage payment. That might not actually be the case, right? Isn't there a lot that goes into getting pre-approved that can help them figure out, hey, this is the mortgage payment that I can afford based on certain criteria? I mean,
2: I'll I'll take this one. A good example
0: is this. You get that
2: initial phone call and they're like, I'm looking for a $300,000 home. Like, okay, and you, and you work out the numbers, you haven't filled out an app, like I said, get pre-approved. Um, and then, then you have that in conversation after the fact to say, okay, what exactly are you looking to do? Because if you're looking at a condo, there's HOA fees. Yeah. There's additional taxes and insurances that they might not be considering. Yep. mortgage insurance, for example. All those things that go into your monthly payment. Uh, but on the flip side to that is buying power. You'd say, okay, what does 300000 mean to me? Okay, well, guess what? 350 compared to 300, it's roughly $275 a month difference in principal and interest payment. Yep. So, you, you know, after you break that all down and say, can I afford 350? Okay, well, they might start at 350 go to 400 and so on. But that's where our job as loan officers will figure out what is your sweet spot. You might be able to afford a $400,000 home. You might be comfortable at 300, you know, and that's where we'll go back and forth and find the right. That suits their needs.
0: Yeah. I, I, yeah, absolutely. The, I guess where I'm trying to get at is I can look and say, hey, I know I can afford $3,000 a month, right. right? But does, you know, do, do, will a bank lend will me? Will the
1: numbers approve that? Yeah. Right.
0: I guess is where I'm going with this. So,
1: so that yeah, is there. A de- what's, what's that debate look like? <laughs> because, because we, and,
0: and here's where I'm coming from. Sometimes uh, we, it's
3: easy. Sometimes it's
1: hard.
0: We run, we run into a lot of yeah. people that feel they know what they can afford. Right. Yeah. Um, maybe they make money off the books. Maybe uh, they're not taking into consideration their debt, uh, the car loan, um, things like that. And they say, I know I can, you know, 3000 bucks a month. That's easy. I don't need to go get pre-approved because I know what I can afford and I've got good credit right? Is there a chance that they'll be surprised when they talk to you? Absolutely.
3: So the, the biggest problem is, you know, um, you know, reading things online that it's, you know, take your income and divide it by your pay. So anybody can go to a simple mortgage calculator and just t- type in the data and then divide that by their gross monthly income. But that only tells a piece of the puzzle, right? So we live in New York State and taxes are high. Taxes are vary depending on the municipality that you buy. Mm-hmm. Debt plays a major part in their purchasing power because there's debt-to-income ratios that borrowers need to abide by. So the other thing that you touched on, Michael, uh, was the um, making money off the books. It's very simple. We had, for lack of a better term, we had the mortgage meltdown in 2008 and the Dodd-Frank bill came out and they made uh, not only a mortgage walk dog, the CFPB, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, but they made rules that every financial institution in the United States has to follow. And those rules are simple. If you don't show the IRS, we can't count it as income. So yeah. anything that's off the books, okay. we can't count. So in somebody's mind, they might make, you know, that waitress might make $60,000 off the books. Unfortunately, I can't use that.
1: Right. So okay. that
3: that's where some of the, you know, it's very tough, common. Tough, mm-hmm. Tougher, tougher. I can see that being
1: an issue. Sure.
3: Tougher conversations have to have because people in their mind think they're here, but from a qualification perspective, they're really not. And in their
1: mind, they can afford it, but they can't prove that they can afford it. Right. right. That's so the difference. it really does need to be qualified, is what you're saying. Correct. Right. And well, then that brings up another question. I mean, what's the difference between being pre? Can you be like? Can they? Can you be qualified? Is, is qualify, you know, qualification different than, you know, being yeah, pre-approved? Yeah, that's another
0: word we get out there a lot is yeah. getting pre-qualified qualified versus pre-approved. pre-approved. Is there a difference?
3: There's, the, the the biggest difference I'll say is that a pre-qualification is a broader stroke. A pre-approval is more zoned in on a particular property. So right? here's a good example. There's, some, yeah, online yeah. There's yeah. some online companies. There's some online
2: companies right now where you answer five questions. Uh-huh. How much you make, you know, what are you looking for for a loan amount? You mm-hmm. know, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars. Uh, maybe a down payment question, and what is your credit score? They don't even run the credit. Oh, we're gonna to, put in. To, 750, they just ask you,
1: right? You know, and then they're like, right.
2: okay, well, based on you say you make ten grand a month, and you want a five hundred thousand dollar house, great. It, and then at the bottom of it, it'll be the fine print that says, you know, all based on X, Y, and Z, and this is just, and that's a pre-qualification. Okay. Uh, and and you and right now you can do that online. You know right. what I mean? Which
1: which is really what people I think will be confused about because they feel. Well, why am I qualified here? I show that I'm qualified, and now they come to us and say, "Hey, we want to go shopping," and we're like, "Okay, well, have you been pre-approved?" They're like, "Well, I got this," and you know, so they really need to push. We need to push them. What you're saying is, get that pre-qualification. Yeah, Yeah. that's really important. And on another, I mean, pre-approval. I should say, I'm sorry. On another,
3: on another level too. It's it's the words are interchangeable in certain circumstances. Not what Scott just mentioned because that's just and that happens a lot, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. That um, you know certain financial institutions will just, you know, let you answer five questions and spit something out. But a pre-qualification, um, you can also look at it like this. You can afford up to $500,000 with 10% down up to $14,000 in taxes. You're pre-qualified for that. Whether you find a house for five fifty and 10000 in taxes or three thirty and 15000 in taxes, you're still pre-qualified, right? It's, it's a broader stroke. A pre-approval is really when you kind of zone in and y- you have, okay, I'm interested at this property at one, two, three cherry Much lane. More specific. Right. Correct. Yep. So, but don't confuse. If you see one that says you've been pre-qualified as opposed to pre-approved, you know, if, if it's vetted through a lender, they can be interchangeable. Mm-hmm. It's just depending on where they are in the process.
0: Well, and I think, you know, if I'm hearing you right, the risk is, you know, you're pre-qualified and uh, there's a lot of things that go into the monthly payment, which compared to your debt to income ratio is really what's going to approve or disapprove the loan and uh, as well as credit score and stuff like that. What I'm hearing is if you're pre-approved for 400,000, but with $10,000 in taxes as a pre-qualification and you are solely looking at the Mm $400,000 and that happens to have $13,000 in taxes, you're not necessarily pre-approved for that property. You're pre-qualified for that roundabout, but that, that property is not going to qualify even though the 400000 is in right, place. Because their
1: debt would be thrown off there then. Yeah, sure. Or yeah. I can debt take ratio, you're it right. not to go too mm-hmm. deep into the woods, or
3: it can change the type of pre-approval or pre-qualification. What do you So mean? for example, yeah. in that scenario, and again, not to get too deep into the woods, but there's a difference mm-hmm. between a conventional mortgage and a government mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, and the two biggest... Differences are uh, FICO score and debt to income ratio limitations. So, if I approved Michael here for five hundred thousand or four hundred thousand, excuse me, with ten thousand in taxes, and then for conventional financing, and turns out that he is zoned in on the four hundred, finds a house, falls in love with, but that four hundred thousand has fourteen thousand in taxes, which takes his debt-to-income ratio from a 43 to a 51 doesn't mean he can't get that house. It just means that he's no longer pre-approved conventionally. We have to switch it to a government program, FHA, because FHA oh, allows a okay. for higher debt-to-income ratio. Right, so yeah.
1: does it doesn't necessarily, so if I'm, if I'm following you correctly, you really, we need to, as agents, I guess, also guide our buyers along that same line so that if it does come up, we need to be able to explain that, you know, hey, that, that that could potentially change what type of funding you're going to need. And that's when we come to you and say, help us. Right? It also comes okay. down to the relationship. So at the end of the day, sure. you know, you, Joe, you
3: send somebody to Scott and Scott says, okay, let me vet him. Yep. He's going to say, you know, guy got pre-approved for, for $350. Everything looks good. Got some wiggle room there, conventional yep. fine. Like that's, that's okay. the idea of the relationship between the, the, the lender and the realtor to kind of help get the transaction, you know, wrapped up and crossed. Sure. I'm,
2: I'm, I would always say to the borrower that it's going to be tight. If you're looking for X, $400,000 example, mm-hmm. and it's tight, where you might want to think about looking at three seventy five, so you have a little wiggle room with taxes. Right. You know, um, but that's a conversation we have. You know, with the borrower and the realtor, a lot of times it's actually
0: so frequent. I appreciate that. So let's get into it. Uh, benefits of getting pre approved prior to going looking for shopping. I think you know, easily it's uh, easy for us to say, I should say, the uh, realtors we know that if we're going looking at houses, number one, we're going to run into sellers that aren't going to let you in the house until you're pre approved. That happens, still seeing that
1: a lot, quite a lot, actually. Yeah, yep. That
3: might not change
0: no I, I don't I don't necessarily think it will I think there's uh sorry about that uh, I th- <laughs> <laughs> I just realized my phone is hooked up to the Bluetooth which plugs into this and uh, yeah. you guys just uh, heard me get a telephone call <laughs> um, which I swiftly ignored um, but uh yeah listen I look. You know, depending on the home, some people don't want people that cannot provide proof of ability to purchase, right? And that's what a pre approval does. The other proof of ability to purchase is proof of funds, which means you have the cash to do it, but that's obviously a different topic for a different podcast. Um, So, benefits of a pre approval letter number one, uh, we can get into the house, right? Yeah, yeah. And
1: it's interesting. And if I could just, I'm sorry, Mike, uh, as you just said, you're going to see more of that. I believe that's true. We are going to start seeing more of that in order to get into the house. Um, I don't know how quickly the consumer is going to understand that. I had someone the other day say to me, I'm not sharing my stuff. Yeah, well. And I was like, oh.
3: Unfortunately, I mean, I think there's some things that started with the pandemic that are going to stick, mm-hmm. right? And I think that having a pre-approval is one of them. But listen, it's it makes life easier for you as the agent and for us as the lender to vet that person Upfront, because at the end of the day, the last thing that you guys want to be doing is running around showing them fifteen houses at four hundred thousand dollars when they can only afford two fifty. Well, well, and, well,
0: they, and yeah. it's not it's about us; it's about the buyer, right? Okay, so right. that does that person want to go around? in their mind thinking I can afford 400,000. Exactly. And then ultimately just to find out that that Mercedes Benz payment is putting them in a position where they can't afford 400,000, even though they thought they can right? their DTI, or maybe there's something affecting their credit that they didn't realize. Um, I think that's really important. The other thing is, which is, uh, blatantly obvious to us as realtors is benefits of pre-approval include, um, being able to make an offer quickly if you do fall in love with the house that is that is very oh, important right right you huge th- benefit yep right. finally uh, you know it is you're allowed to make an offer without a pre-approval but you will not be taken seriously nobody will consider you if you can't provide evidence of how you're going to pay for it right. um, so with all of that in mind pre-approvals are super important um,
1: well but let me let me ask you a question there Mike yep. and here's a question that uh, I think you know our fellow guy our, our Partners here can help us out. Somebody's coming to us paying cash. You know, where where does a pre-approval? Well, come that's where buy? the proof of funds would come in, I right? Guess it's more proof yeah. of funds. So yeah, and, and how would someone? Pr- is that something that as a bank?
3: It's a letter from your a financial letter just, institution. So you'd, you would know, actually confirming that the, okay. that they have the assets. Right.
2: Basically, you're showing a bank statement showing you have the assets, or Pretty or much. retirement funds, or whatever,
3: wherever okay. it's coming from, or a letter mm-hmm. from right. the lender vetting it. Right. Right. We do it.
0: Okay. All right. So I know we got into this a little bit earlier, but it's clear that having a pre approval letter is super important to get the process started. It helps you understand your buying power, it helps you understand what you'll be paying. One thing that drives me absolutely bananas when I go on every mortgage calculator out there, um, they take into consideration mortgage and interest payments. And if they do take into consideration taxes, I am telling you they are doing it from some low-tax state in Texas or New Mexico (laughs) or something because the taxes never reflect what we're paying up here. It's like $1,200 a year or something like that. When Meanwhile, the taxes on that $500,000 property are $12,000 a year, which has a massive impact on what you're going to be paying. So I highly recommend not trusting those mortgage calculators and talk to a lender like Matt and Scott over at TEG so that they can help you get your head around what the payment will be like, what your purchasing power is, so we and what types of loans you can get qualified for. We kind of alluded to this, but there is a big difference between getting approved conventional versus FHA versus VA. There are uh, financial benefits available for you, right? And then uh, those pre-approvals look a little bit different as we were talking about earlier out on the marketplace. Right. Right.
2: Well, I mean VA loans aside for veterans are standalone programs and, you know, we can get into that if you'd like, but, you know, the government programs in general offer benefits where, you know, you're going to look to be as cost effective as possible for the borrower. So if they can go conventional and that's the best way to go, then we're going to, you know, steer them in that direction. So it's going to be a case by case basis. So, again, you know, alluding to his example before, if the debt-to-income ratio, for example, and they have a lot of bills and they're looking at a $400,000 house and they really want that, we might have to push them to FHA, for example, that allows for higher
0: debt-to-income. Debt-to-income. Okay. So, rapid fire, a couple of quick questions. Number one, how does somebody get, what are the steps to getting a pre-approval? What do they need to do?
3: Call us. (laughs) okay i love it i mean call call us and we'll walk you through it give uh, give us a call we'll walk you through i mean our business cards have um links to our website we have the qr reader on the back it takes about five minutes to fill out a pre-application online within 24 hours we'll be in touch we'll go through the process explain the teg difference and you know kind of send a letter to them and to their agents so that they can start shopping excellent
0: What Should they have any documents prepared, or is this just an application?
3: It's always good to know what you have. So um, when when anybody goes to our website and fills out a pre-application, they have the ability to upload their documents. So it's great to see the W-2s, the recent pay stubs. I don't ask them to get too deep into the woods. If it takes them six months to get a house, a lot of things can expire. But they are... Immediately ask for that stuff, and it's good to have as as a backup because the last thing that you want is, you know, the person to say that they make one hundred and fifty, and in reality, they make thirty, or vice versa. They think they make eighty because they're looking at their net numbers instead of their gross, and their purchasing power is actually a lot more than what they think it is. So those are the kind of things that we we kind of encourage. We can't guarantee it. We can run the decision engine based on their word, and we always tell them at that point that. You know, this is based what you tell me if, you know, you got, you know, that Lamborghini hidden in the garage that's not on, you know. <laughs> that's not showing somewhere. You know, that, that's that, that that's on you. Well, Love Matt, it. how,
1: how long does the uh, pre-approval last for, though? I mean, you know, you just, you brought up, you know, something that might it's expire there. What does that have to so do? So on our pre-approval letters, it says 60 days. Um, but in truth,
3: um, it's, it's longer. It, it's until your credit expires. So you can actually run your credit four times a year without it. Um, affecting your FICO score. So yeah. once a quarter, if you will, okay. we ask for 60 days just for kind of a checkup. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, those people that are shopping, they, they they typically come back within 50, 55 days and all we ask, hey, has anything changed? Your credit's still valid? Have you incurred any new debt? You still have your job? Yeah. Anything okay. change on that front? I mean, especially in the last couple of years with the pandemic, there's been a lot of right. employment juggling for lack of a better term. Mm -hmm. So that's why we put on our our pre-approval letters that it's it's 60 days, but it's really just a check-in and as long as that everything stays the same, we'll issue the new one without rerunning credit. Okay. And we'll go from there.
1: Oh. All right. excellent. So take me through that for and just if I could elaborate further on that. So in sixty days, if I don't find a house, obviously I come back to you and say, okay, you know, I need a new pre-approval. If I find a house within that time frame, um, and then I go through the process. I have to also make sure that nothing changes as well, as far as my... You mean be- before the 60 before days? Before the 60 days are up. Yeah, right? well, I,
3: I mean, we, you know, if we issue a pre-approval and you get an accepted offer, you know, typically we get notified by the agent and the buyer that the offer has been accepted and they're going to inspection. At that point, I'd like to personally reach out to the and mm-hmm. the first thing out of my mouth is everything's the same. I was going to say, don't was. go buy that 30, new Ferrari that's yeah, sitting in the driveway there tomorrow. 35 right. days ago, everything's the right. same. And they say, yes, right, absolutely. Right, right. And then it's congratulations. Let me know wh- if inspections are good. Then I typically reach out to the agent and ask for the purchase offer just so I can get everything ready on my end. Then we get contracts. Then we start the actual process.
1: So keep keep your stuff consistent is the is the message there yes. during your pre-approval. Yep. Until, right. you, close Until you close on the Until you close on the Buy the car the next day. Love <laughs> okay. it.
0: Love it. So obviously if you're in the Hudson Valley area, uh, we'd love for you to chat with T E G Matt and or Scott. Uh, they've got a great team over there, but if we have a listener that isn't in the areas here that you cover, what would you suggest they look at to find a good lender? What questions should they ask? What constitutes a good lender?
3: Um, well, I think they should call TEG anyway, because um, <laughs> at the end of the there day, we, we we typically can do pretty much anything um, in a, in this marketplace. If they're looking for uh, something in Texas or yeah. Georgia, I'd still ask them to give me a call first, <laughs> and then I'd kind of you know <laughs> have a conversation and, 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 and see where what what might be the best so, Listen, some people are you know easy peasy go to a, the go to the big bank, let it get done. Some people. Maybe need to go to a local bank and get a little bit more um, flexibility, for lack of a better term. But um, that that's kind of what I would do. I, I'd like to have a consult. And I tell everybody, even if you choose to go in a different direction, you know, lean on me. That's what I'm here for. Yeah. If I don't get you this time, hopefully you think of me next time.
1: There you go.
2: I also tell a lot of uh, borrowers that call me about different states, honestly. And mm-hmm. I tell them to lean on a realtor. So if you're dealing with a realtor, like in Texas, for example, where we don't loan, mm-hmm. um, talk to the realtor. They know, you know, yeah. think local, think, you know, right. that they're going to know more of the mar- local market than just the national banks because right. normally you can't save some money doing that.
0: Sure. So what separates uh, what separates the good lender from one that you want to avoid out there?
3: You know, it, it, that's, I, <laughs> that's a I, big question. I, I can Mike, jump in. Uh, I mean, well, <laughs> listen, there, there,
2: there's, there's so yeah. many different answers yeah. to this question. You know,
3: It's really the the, it comes down to product knowledge, customer service, um, the ability to kind of be transparent and and go through things, you know, some of these bigger institutions and I I don't want to bring up any names, but, you know, you know they're centralized. They're, they, they, they 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 sit in a cubicle with a headset, and you know they're they're yeah. order takers, and they and they don't understand the human element that's involved with it. And um, yeah. you know I think one of our biggest uh, successes uh, in our fifty plus years is the fact that we are local, and I think that there's been like a big kind of um, transition from you know the big bad banks to you know the local shops because we we have. We have every product and program that all the large financial institutions have, but we also have that you know little extra where, where we care. Right? Yeah. We 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 don't want the transaction; we want the relationship.
0: Yeah. Now we're the big bad banks, team banks that come. Yeah. Right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> financial institutions. Yeah. No, I think
1: Matt, you're absolutely right. It does come Excellent. down to, you know, customer service. Right. You know, someone dealing with their bank, and you're right; they get centralized, and the person sits somewhere in the world, and. Doesn't understand that human element to some of their concerns locally.
3: Doesn't even understand, right. You know, if if you're sitting in um, mm-hmm. Michigan and somebody's purchasing in New York, they don't even know nuances. New York State mortgage tax, transfer tax, with from a, like there are there are right. there are specific things that just get lost in the woods. And you know, you send out an initial loan estimate that says you're going to have four thousand dollars in closing costs when in actuality you're going to have sixteen thousand in closing costs i mean that that's that's sticker shock
0: absolutely yeah that's a game changer for a lot of clients i believe it how can uh wrapping up how can people get in touch with you
2: uh yeah a couple different ways um we're at you can find us online at tgfcu.com um that breaks down you can go right to the uh, mortgage page and we're all there and we all have our specific pages and contact information obviously you, you know you can call my office where we're, we're kind of bouncing around there's a bunch of branches in dutchess and orange uh and if you're working with a realtor you know they can look me up as well and uh yeah and, and then i'll gladly sit down and you know and so a meeting with you.
0: so what's the number
2: Oh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, no, uh, you call, um, you call directly to my cell, 845-728-4419. That's crazy. You can call my office number, 845-452-7323,
3: extension 1273. I'm just kidding. My cell is 914-589-9907
0: no mm-hmm. and i and, and i could say from experience uh i have uh loans through teg myself they've been absolutely fantastic to work with and uh i have no doubt that uh they will take great care of you if you're interested in getting pre-approved or anything else uh please give them a call uh Very great important. great company here yeah. anything else for us joe yeah i just uh,
1: thank you both scott and matt for joining us today it's a pleasure to have us. you with us uh it's a pleasure having you as a partner
0: So, bottom line, get pre-approved. It's a great idea. Get out there and uh, let's buy some houses. Let's go.
1: Thanks, guys.